I'm screaming in the hallway. I am over. I'm so excited. I'm screaming like an absolute maniac. It's almost like something you see in a movie. People are walking by. I have no idea what's going on. Welcome to episode 169 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. I would find it hard to believe if Brett Platts wasn't nicknamed Coffee. Not only does he enjoy the hot beverage a lot by his estimation, he would also need it with how fast his career is taking off. The native of Albany, Prince Edward Island, moved to Dogs Academy in Okotoks for high school and wound up at Southeastern Community College in 2017-2018. But a major ACL injury derailed his on-field dreams, leading him to get into strength and conditioning. He started his own business, then was planning to move back to Dogs Academy, then was going to join the University of Iowa, before he got a call from the Chicago Cubs to work as a strength and conditioning coach for their young players in the Dominican Republic. Before he caught a flight out of town, we caught up with Platts to talk about his entire journey, including his time in our province, the mental challenges of coming back from injuries, and how persistence paid off in making his newfound dreams come true. Brett, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Native of Albany, PEI, give us a snapshot of growing up on the island and getting into the baseball scene there. Uh, Albany PEI is definitely a small town, close knit community. Uh, I know I always call it Plattsville because it's majority of my cousins and uh, family members there. <laughs> but growing up in PEI is definitely you know a special place. Obviously, the island is you know rather small, and everyone is you know again very very close knit. So to grow up with you know some amazing people, you know friends and family along the way, they definitely have uh, helped me get to where I am today. Who got you into baseball in the first place? And did you fall in love with it right away? Or was it something that you kind of had an acquired taste for? I would have to say, you know, my, my dad, you know, just playing catch in the backyard definitely sparked it from a young age. Um, and from there, you know, family have just helped me get to where I am. You know, starting Prince Edward Island, you know, mom and dad definitely preached T-ball. And then obviously Mosquito P, we ban them. And then uh, took the lead to Midget for, uh, for Okotoks. So, uh Definitely holds a special, special place in my heart. Were you one of those athletes that did a little bit of everything or did you specialize right off the bat? Absolutely. From a young age, you know, I played a variety of sports. You know, I did play basketball. I did play soccer, um, played badminton, did track. Um, and, you know, that was the best time. It was the best times because you got to do everything. Um, I would have to say, you know, when I specialized in baseball, it was probably when I, when I was 15, 16 years old, um, and I got the chance to go to Okotoks, and that's when I knew I could, you know, make something of it. Was it that moment when you went to Okotoks when you realized this was what you wanted to do or what you wanted to chase, at least at the time? I think uh, my last year in Prince Edward Island, um, I attended the Eastern Baseball Academy. It's run by Andrew McKinnon and uh, Jason Monaghan. Um, and that last year while I was there, you know, I put in a significant amount of work because I knew at the time, you know, I wanted to go to Okotoks. Okotoks was the place to be to, you know, further your baseball career. So I have to say my last, you know, when I was probably 15 years old, that year um, was when I really made the jump um, and put in, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of work um, to, uh, to basically show up for scout day for the dogs. Um and hopefully leave a good impression, which 
Yeah, I'm definitely fortunate that I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, why Okotoks? I mean, there's different opportunities across the country, whether it be, you know, out on the West Coast or certainly in Ontario. What drew you to Okotoks? Uh, honestly, Cole McLaren was there. Um, and he was one of the ones that just left for Okotoks. Um, and at the time, Okotoks just seemed like the place to be. For me, it was either going to be, you know, Okotoks or the Vauxhall, given the opportunity. But I actually didn't even have the opportunity to go to Vauxhall. Um, but those were two um, two organizations that you really wanted to show up for um, on Scout Day, um, and yeah, I just looked up to looked up to Cole. Um, so I thought, you know, he enjoyed it a lot. Um, if I could put in, you know, just a little bit, one percent of the work that he put in, then hopefully I can succeed like him. So how was it that you managed to get their eye? Because it's one thing to want to be there; it's another to make sure that they're aware of you. One and two that they're willing to take you in. Absolutely. I mean, we had a scout day. I think it was on the weekend. We had Vauxhall uh, come in and then we had the dogs come in. Funny thing about Vauxhall is it was a snowstorm. I wasn't able to, uh, I wasn't able to go. Oh, no way. Um, so I was able to go to the dogs. Um, and essentially I just did my thing. Uh, I wasn't, I was a very raw player. I was never, you know, the best player. I was very grit and grind, you know, diving for baseballs. Um, and hopefully my passion for the game would just, you know, show through in regards to them wanting to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any trepidation that you might've had about moving that far away from home, especially like I mentioned, you have probably closer to home options, but you, you seem to be pretty adamant about the idea of moving as far away from home as possible. It seems. Yeah. At the time it was, it was crazy. Cause in the moment you're like, Oh yeah, I'll move across the country. I mean, no worries about it, but I mean, I'm an only child and no one's ever really leaved the island like that um, or left the island like that. So at the time I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then the day hit and I was like, I guess this is time. This is this is time to go. Uh, it's funny leaving because, you know, my family, my mom and dad, like, oh, you know, he might be back. Like he's a homebody. Right. Um, and I have yet to be back for a significant amount of time. So we always run that joke around Christmas time. We never thought you were going to move away for that long <laughs> no kidding looking back on it that experience talk about some of the, the highlights that you had some of the things that that really stick out in your mind as you spent time with the academy in Oaktokes. yeah the Oaktokes was you know one of the best years of my life my grade 11 and grade 12 year um you know first year I actually I definitely had to earn it I mean I think that's when I first was introduced to you know strength and conditioning I was surrounded by ginormous ginormous people sean adam manchuk ryan Hummond, justin king some some dudes right some yeah. big some big bodies <laughs> and i'm rolling in 160 pounds not not looking the part right <laughs> um so i think uh what stuck out to me was definitely the weight room for starters and also the uh the friendships that were built with you know both the coaches um and you know my uh, my athletes around me pretty much mm-hmm. um yeah i went through you know, grade 11, just tried to earn my spot, you know, went on the red team, had a great year. Um, and then going into grade 12, um, was kind of, was kind of my year, I guess you could say up until a point, um, got to go to T12, one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, I'll never forget it. That's how I like to, um, imagine myself going out on top. Cause that was, um, one of the best, one of the best tournaments of my life. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about that experience because as somebody who probably grew up 
thinking I, I before we went, hit the airwaves, we were talking about you being a Red Sox fan, but even stepping foot in, I still call it Sky Dome. I know it's Rogers Center yeah. now, but you know, being able to step foot there, not just as a as a fan, but to be able to play on that field, what's that like? I mean, it was super special. I remember when we first walked in the field as a team and everybody was just in awe, like just soaked it in, um, did a really good job of just absorbing the moment and understood the work that was put in finally got here because that's one of the biggest, it is the biggest tournament in Canada. It's an honor to be there. Um, so I think that was the biggest part of it was just trying to enjoy the moment. I think that gets lost. I really do um, at, at, all, at all ages. Um, is soak in the moment and enjoy it because, um, you know, you never know what's going to be over. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into your story on that part in a second. wanted to go back on T12 for a second because I was uh, looking at uh, some of the, the score sheets and that from Canadian Baseball Network when they were doing their their daily yeah. updates on that. And one of the names that stuck out was Cesar Valero and obviously yeah. growing up with him as well through the dog system and seeing his weekend uh, this past weekend, especially. Absolutely. What's it like being able to not just uh, take part in T12 and, and see those names and see something and do that with some of your buddies that you you grew up with uh, with dogs, but also being able to watch the progression of some of these guys and see what they've been able to accomplish with their young careers. Absolutely. I mean, it was a special, it was a special moment just to be on the field with everybody. Um, Cause obviously I was on team Atlantic and all the dogs that kept most of them were on uh, team Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, so to play against each other was something I think we'll, we'll never forget. It was a very, uh, it, was, it was a big moment for everybody. Um, Caesar's a fine example of, you know, hard work paying off and his past weekend. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, you know, I got the opportunity to train him over uh, the past summer and just the work that he put in um, and what he had to go through in regards to, you know, his, uh, his ankle injury. Uh, he had to get surgery on his ankle. Um, so just to see him develop, honestly, as a man is, is the best way to put it. Um, he put in so much work in the weight room. I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, and, you know, he deserves this opportunity. Um, yeah, can be can be more proud of him. Well, and I think a lot of people kind of went in with expectations with him, especially um, because he was so highly ranked going out of Dogs Academy and not to be picked, and then to go to Oregon, a very highly esteemed school, and not really get that chance. And maybe a lot of people didn't realize the kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes, some of the injuries that that you have to go through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing. I think there's a there's a large part of the mental game that goes into it. Uh, I think he's in a very comfortable spot right now where he's you know, got that competitive mindset. He understands that he has the attitude that he's the best player on the field. And that's what I told him this summer. You know, that's what you have to feel. And I feel like that's what was possibly lacking uh, at Oregon State. He just didn't, uh, he just didn't feel that. Um, so I made an effort this summer to just make him understand that you have God-gifted abilities, man. Um, go out, go ball out, be you, be loud, be energetic, and you know, just, just go win the day. That's it. How did your smile mirror his smile after that third home run? Because there's a bit of a, a zoom in on social media that you've seen with some of the videos where he's smiling yep. from ear to ear. It's clear he's having a ball. Absolutely. That's either. He's always happy. He's always smiling. Um, and I was tweeting away. I was so happy for him. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I think I caught the fourth inning, no, fifth inning when I saw that he was just going off. And then I was mm-hmm. tweeting away. I sent him Snapchats and I was just over the moon for him. I basically was just like, I'm so proud of you, but there was so much more to it than that. And then he just Snapchats me back with the biggest smile on his face. 
it couldn't have made me more happier. <laughs> Very cool. Well, let's go back to your journey here. And after Dogs Academy, you end up at Southeastern for uh, the 2017-2018 yep. season. You get a few games in, and then you suffer a torn ACL that needed surgery. Walk us through what happened, how that injury happened, and, and the rehabilitation process that you had to go through. Yeah, the ACL happened uh, my grade 12 spring year. Uh, I had one of the best falls I've ever had in the, uh, my grade 12 year. Uh, I think I really showed out. Um, I was seeing the ball. I was fielding well. I was a totally different player. I was, I was ready to rock. Um, going into spring, um, basically how it happened was, honestly, the first time was gym class basketball. I went up for a rebound. I got a little shove, went down. And something just a loud pop. And I didn't really know. I didn't know anatomy like I know it is to be today. Um, so I was like, what is going on? I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Like I remember it was the last class and I was with Noah Penny. He helped me walk to the car and he's like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't walk. So we went to practice. I think I told Hollick, and then no one really knew because it was weird, right? Um, so I went to get checked out, uh, saw multiple. Uh, multiple people about it and they're like it might be your hamstring um i was like okay well i can go through with the hamstring because we got like atlanta coming up it was a perfect game tournament in atlanta uh, it was a big tournament it's the first one of the year um so they like, okay i'll be fine um went back to practice i went to field the ground ball same thing happened again and it is the worst pain like it feels like there's a bone sticking out of your leg like it was you're genuinely scared to look down Cause you don't really know what's going on to me. It was, it was really, really weird. Um, so it happened. I limped to the locker room and then it's weird cause I can jog after. So I remember Brett and Guthrow strength coach and Hawk were in there and they were just like, what is going on? Cause like, it's just not really my characteristic. Um, so what's going on. And, you know, Guthrow is a very, he's obviously very educated within his field. So he didn't say anything, but just looking at Hawk, I feel like, he might've known um, what was going on in regards to knee injuries and how it happened. So I didn't know, but looking back on it, I, I know, I know he knew. Um, so I went to, I went to the hospital again. I was like, this keeps happening. Um, they sent me to a knee specialist and I walked in, I think I had a week till Atlanta. I was feeling good because you can do pretty much everything with torn ACL and meniscus. Um, you just can't do agility. <laughs> so I can walk fine. Um, so I walk in, we get, we got the MRI before I walked in, he's looking at it and he's like, I, you need surgery. I don't know how you're standing. <laughs> so no what way. are you talking about? I got a huge tournament. He's like, no, we, uh, you need ACL surgery and both your meniscus are gone. Um, so that was, that was heartbreaking to be completely honest. Cause baseball was 100% my entire life up until it still is. But to that point, I was like, am I going to be able to play baseball again? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Um, so, you know, I got the surgery. Um, I got the surgery rather quickly. I went through the children's hospital. So I was very fortunate in that sense because, mm-hmm. um, it, it could have been a really long, really long wait time. Um, so I got the surgery, I rehabbed the best I could. And then, um, I was sent off to college and at college, you know, I was still rehabbing. It still wasn't the best. Um, you know, I, my characteristic is everything's always fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I can, I can do just about anything. I remember the first day we showed up, we're doing exit velos. I'm hitting off the tee and I'm like, just going hands and I'm doing like 95 off the bat. <laughs> like, what is this guy doing? 
I'm like, I can't move, but I can use my hands. <laughs> so I basically showed up. I'm like 220 pounds. I'm extremely out of shape because when I got to over 160 pounds. <laughs> so I put on a significant amount of weight um, and I'm going in rehabbing that entire, that entire season. Um, so that entire year goes by pretty much. And I'm basically just a redshirt and I can't, I can't do much. Um, I'm pushing it and I shouldn't have pushed it really. Um, I'm always trying to push, um, something. And obviously to me, it almost costed me because it wasn't healing properly. Um, so fast forward to my second year at Southeastern, uh, I'm feeling pretty good until I start you know, playing games. And I realized what the game does to your body. Uh, first college of bat in the fall of that year was I hit a home run. I remember coach McVeigh was, he's a hitting coach. He was just so happy for me because we, we had a really special bond. Um, and that was a great experience. It really was. I'll never forget it. But as the course of that fall went on, my body was quickly deteriorating. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't dive. I couldn't, it was, I was very limited. Um, and growing up, my jersey was always dirty. I, I couldn't, uh, I could not keep that thing clean. Um, so I came to the point, I think it was around Christmas time, I had to walk into you know, Coach Schultz's office. And I basically, I just told him I couldn't, if, if I couldn't be me and I couldn't get my jersey dirty, then I felt like I was disrespecting the game. Um, so that's what I told him. He completely understood. Um, and from there, I just went a separate ways. Um, and I didn't know what to do after that, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I roomed with Cole Tucker and Gavin Logan, Cooper Jones, and they're amazing friends. Um, but they also are very honest. They're like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are you going to do after this? And I was like, well, strength and conditioning, you know, I love it. And they're like, yeah, but you need a plan. Like, we care about you, but like, you can't just go free nilly here. You got to make a plan. We need to hear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had a significant support system uh, while I was there to figure out what I wanted to do after baseball. A lot of people talk about the physical aspect of it, and there's also that mental side of it as well. How challenging was that to try to to navigate both? While, like you said, you have that support system, but still, you're probably inside your head quite a bit. Oh yeah, I mean like you're depressed that's just the bottom line you know you're the game that you love is taken away from you and that's a really hard thing to deal with um so obviously me um i like to think i'm a very happy energetic person that's what the vibes i give off but you know inside suffering through that injury obviously it was hurting me um i didn't know what to do with myself i was i guess you could call it a dorm body i did not go out i was just focused on trying to get better, but it never seemed like it was getting better. Um, so I guess you could say, did I, you know, get to live that college experience as I like to say, I would say no, because I was so caught up in trying to get healed as quickly as possible. Uh, and I rushed it too much and it was, uh, that was time. That was time for me. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that, you know, we've heard that word a lot during COVID is pivot, but do you remember that moment when you went, okay, I've got the game plan that my teammates have been asking me for. And, and now you're full steam ahead and you're ready to get your Jersey dirty again, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before I left Southeastern again, Cole, Gavin and Cooper wanted to hear my game plan. I told them what I wanted to do, um, which was strength and conditioning. So I basically set up my next situation to be like that. Um, I transferred, went to Dalhousie. I wanted to do kinesiology. Um, I was there for about a year and a half. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, my knee was feeling better. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. new, right? So I made the switch. I went to Carleton University in Ottawa. That's where um, yeah, I got to get my jersey dirty again. I got to, I got to play baseball again. Um, and uh, it, was a special, it was a special time. Um, from there, obviously with COVID, um, I knew I wanted to strength and condition. I was in toxic guthrow throughout this entire situation of what I wanted to do. Um, as soon as COVID hit, it was almost, I don't want to say a blessing, but it was a good situation for, for me. Um, I got to come back to Okotoks, um, finish my degree. I got to get my jersey dirty uh, at baseball. It wasn't as long as I wanted to know, but I got to fulfill and go out how I wanted to go out. Um, so I came back to Okotoks and I just, I worked alongside Guthrow um, in the weight room, strength and conditioning coach, um, finished my degree and uh, just what absorbed to be a sponge uh, and helped out those, those athletes in there as much as I could. How cool is it to be able to, uh, I'll call it give it back to the community already, but you're sitting here getting to sort of deal with the strength and conditioning for yourself, but also help others through the process as well. As kind of, kind of almost that uh, there was a the TV show back in the day. It was fit to fat to fit Yeah, where, yep. yeah. You, so the premise of the show was you'd have this uh, trainer go and gain a bunch of weight and then lose it alongside somebody who's trying to lose weight. It almost feels the same way with you here is that you're, you were trying to show and guide these athletes along their route while you're also doing the same thing. Absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing for me is I could relate with nearly all my athletes. You know, that mm-hmm. was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a coach and I really wanted to help them, you know, even outside of the weight room, just get to know them on a personal level and help them as much as I could. Um, and, uh, you know, that relationship developed over the years with, you know, just about everybody. You know, I've been in, I've been in some pretty crappy shoes and I've been 220 pounds had to lose a lot of weight. And I've also been 160 pounds and I've had to put on a lot of weight. Um, so I, I, I know what they're going through and I know the, there is the misguided information on there with social media and stuff like that. So for them to come to me and just ask, you know, straight up questions, you know, that brings a smile to my face because I know I can you know help them further their athletic performance. Um, and that's my job. Um, and obviously you wear a lot of hats. Um, but I like to think that I can help them on the baseball field as well as off the baseball field. Mm-hmm. How much of this journey so far in this new new journey that uh, you've sort of leaned on, whether it's the Gavin Logans or some of the, the other athletes, the Cesar Valeros, you've been able to use them as sort of a jumping off point where you teach them, then they their word of mouth helps you get, I'll call more clients, but more, more attention to what yeah. you're trying to do. Absolutely. I'm super thankful for them just to work with those guys. Um, it's a very special opportunity. Um, and obviously what came with that is I got to work with some very special individuals. Obviously you have Caesar, you have Gavin, Cole Tucker, um, Cooper Jones, um, Connor Pote, um, probably many more that I just blanking out on the spot, but there's, uh, those, those guys are, are really special. They hold a, a dear, a dear spot in my heart. Um, and I'm super proud of them. They all have um, really good opportunities to uh, to go ball out, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't be more proud of them. They continue to put in the work, and they're all they're all very competitive. They really are. So I'm excited for their future. How much of the mindset 
goes into what you're teaching in terms of kind of making sure that they are aware that they can come back from an injury or that they can recuperate well, or that they can build strength the right way, those kinds of things. Because I feel like part of it is me growing up being 40 and, and thinking to myself, man, if I would have had half the resources and, and not just from a physical perspective, but even a mental perspective to go, okay, I can bounce back from this, or I can, I can deal with this, or I can do it. You didn't necessarily have that back in the day. So how much of that is kind of weighing in on, on how you go about your business? Yep, absolutely. I think uh, Caesar's is a fine example of that, you know, that ankle surgery you know, was a big deal for him. It was lingering for a long time for him to get that surgery when he did, it was almost perfect timing because um, we got to, you know, get in the weight room and, you know, make sure that ankle was is close to 100% before he headed off. So he's a prime example. Um, you know, obviously, we're we doing a lot of, you know, physical conditioning, make sure that he's up to par. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, mentally, you know, I didn't make sure that, you know, his head is his head is right. Um, and you know, that was almost number one, to be completely honest. I wanted him to know that you have a very, very special individual and you can do some great things. Um, we call it confidence boosting, but you know, he's, he's a special guy. He's a special kid. Um, so to see him go out and perform like last, last week, um, again, I was smiling ear to ear for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't be more happy for him. That's the other thing too. And I, I, work in football fields as well. And one of the things that uh, working with the Stampeders, for example, is talking to guys like Kamar Jordan or Eric Rogers, who ended up coming back from uh, ankle injuries, leg injuries, that kind of thing is, especially from a receiver perspective, you're constantly uh, juking and jiving and trying to, to make a play on, on a DB in baseball, whether it's a shoulder or an ankle in Caesar's case, I mean, these are injuries that it's almost in your head where you're afraid that you're going to turn that corner around the base, or you're going to be throwing that one pitch and all of a sudden the ball ends up, you know, out in the stand somewhere. Right. So how much of what you do is trying to convince these athletes that, Hey, you can do this and it's not going to go south on you because you've put in the work. Absolutely. I think that's, I, I think what it comes down to is having the confidence in your ability to go out and perform at a high level. Um, you know, with injuries, it's tough because it's always going to be in the back of your mind. I remember going mm -hmm. through my injury, just getting my backside through was, was a struggle because I was scared. It's just mm -hmm. the bottom line. Um, so I think that reassurance of like, Hey, you know, just go be you. It's going to be all right. Um, you know, for, for my instance, you know, I'm still going to dive and do as much as I possibly can. Um, I understand it might hurt at times. Um, I totally, I totally get it. But for the guys, you know, with injuries, um, don't get caught up in, oh, what if, you know, just go be you, go ball out um, and go do some special things. And speaking of special things, you've managed to do something pretty special just in this short amount of time is you've went from, I've got this one job and I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and that to, okay, I'm going to go work with the dogs to, okay, I'm going to go down to Iowa. And now you make this announcement back a month or so ago that, Hey, you're getting a call from the Chicago Cubs. How did that opportunity all come about? Yeah, it really came about, honestly, just making connections. That's what it started to. I knew I wanted to be at the Major League Baseball level one way or another. Um, so if I couldn't do it playing, I was still going to get there somehow. Mm -hmm. um, so how it happened, you just, I just made connections. Um, you know, I sent probably way too many emails to uh, the Cubs coordinator. <laughs> um, and essentially, you know, he just got back to me. Um, you know, we talked over Christmas break, over the summer. I'm just chit-chatting, picking each other's brains. Um, and then it was a 
Friday. It was a Friday. He sent me a text. It's like, hey, position open up in the Dominican Republic. Would you be interested? I was like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so over the course of the weekend, uh, I went through an interview process with the head guy down in the Dominican Republic. Great guy. Um, and then he called me Monday. And, you know, it was an interview process, so I understood it was going to be lengthy. Uh, I went through the interview. You know, we hit it off. Unbelievable guy. Um, and he's like, we're looking to fill this, like, really ASAP. So, like, 48 hours. I was like, oh, 48 hours. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so, Monday went by. Tuesday went by. Wednesday went by. Thursday went by. So, a lot of days are going by. I'm not a math major, but I know we're past 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> um and my girlfriend is with me in, in Iowa and she's like, well, I mean, no news is good news. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the case for, <laughs> for a job like this. <laughs> so God love her. She was trying to be like, you know, be positive. But I was like, I don't know. Like, and it, yeah. So then Friday goes by, um, Saturday hits, uh, I'm walking into the, to the Hawkeye facility. We're in the football turf. Um, as soon as I open the door, he texts me. He's like, Hey, you, uh, you free for a call. And I know how he texts, you know, he's like got the exclamation marks, you know, he's mm-hmm. just a, he's a cool, cool guy. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, right off the get go, I'm like, no exclamation mark, didn't get it, but we'll pick up the phone and see what happens. Um, so he picks up the phone, or I pick up the phone, and he's very monotone, like, hey, Brad, you know, sorry for the late notice. Uh, how you doing? Doing good. He's like, I just like to offer you a one year contract, Chicago Cubs, worth of a nickel club, for a And I'm over the moon. So we finished that conversation. I hang up. Uh, I'm screaming in the hallway. I am mm-hmm. over. I'm so excited. I'm screaming like an absolute maniac. It's almost like something you see in a movie. People are walking by. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so I basically, I'm still running over the football turf. I call mom and dad like, Hey, I got it. Like it was very quick. I got mm-hmm. it. They're at dinner celebrating, um, hang up the phone, call Taylor. Hey, I got it. Get to the football turf. <laughs> coach <laughs> Walra, the head, the head baseball strength and conditioning coach. I'm like, I got it. He's like, are you, you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got it. Um, so yeah, we finished that day. The next, uh, the next day, I packed my bags and I had to head back to Calgary to uh, you know just get organized. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, it was one of the best moments of my life. Did you ever expect to be able to have that phone call that soon? Because you're you're still kind of new in the game, for lack of a better term, and yet you were able to make those connections and make those make those contacts and make it all work. Absolutely. It's funny you say that because the next, uh, the next day I called Alan Cox and Alan's been a huge supportive of me. Um, and I called him, I said, Hey man, like I got it. Like, I, I really did. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for everything. Um, and obviously, you know, he was very appreciative and stuff like that, but he was like, you know, I knew you were going to Iowa. Um, and I knew you were going to get an MLB job, but like, I didn't think you were going to get it four weeks, man. Like you're supposed to be there till May. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess that's just how I roll. I don't, uh, I don't stay in one spot for very long. It seems to be the trend, but uh, I'm hoping I call uh, Chicago my home for the next, uh, for the next little while. I'm super excited to work with, work with them. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, Dominican Republic. So what is the game plan here? Like, do you go down there for some spring training whenever that happens? Like, walk us through the process once everything is up and running. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, how it's going to work is I'm essentially going to hop on a plane. I'm going to go to Dominican Republic. Their academy is going to be closed for the next uh, for the next month, pretty much. Um, so I'm going to go there, essentially drop my bags off, um, see the uh, see the area, see the academy, move into the apartment, um, hop on a flight, and then go to Mesa, Arizona for spring training. Um, once spring training is up there, then I'm going to go back to the DR and work with the uh, the academy guys down there. 
Very cool. Now, obviously, the the end game in all of this probably is, hey, I'd like to work at Wrigley Field forever and ever and ever. But do you have sort of a mindset? Like, is that a couple of months down the road now? Do you, do you have, a, I know, have right? a game plan in mind, maybe? Uh, I think, you know, the end goal, obviously, is to be at the, that top level with that major mm-hmm. league team. Um, and I think, uh, you know, as the person I am, I, I probably won't stop till I get there. Um, and I'm looking forward to you know, showing what I can do and making an impact on the athletes and also, you know, the coaches around me. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited for the opportunity. I think it's going to be really special. And um, yeah, I just can't wait. I can't wait to make even more relationships with everybody. Mm-hmm. How much of this is about being able to impart your wisdom, but also to learn along the way as well? You seem like you're kind of a studious person as well. You like to soak things in and be that sponge. How much of that aspect of it is going to be taken apart of, of being in Dominican and being in Mesa and potentially being in Chicago? Absolutely. I mean, I ask too many questions. That's, that's just the bottom line. I like to... <laughs> I, I, I don't like know what you're talking about with that. I don't, I don't do enough of that myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like to, uh, I ask a lot of questions. I like to get everybody's take on everything. Um, Cause you know, in the end uh, I'm learning a lot and I'm also, you know, I'm picking their brain um, and they have to sometimes retrieve information that they have retrieved in quite some time. Um, so to do that, you know, again, that what's c- comes back to is obviously benefiting myself and I'm also making, hopefully making everybody around me, um, better as well. Um, and I think that's, you know, the name of the game, what, what brings me the most joy in this profession, honestly, is going to see those athletes perform at a high level. Um, it seems like every weekend I got you know, the iPad up watching the college guys play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have enough tablets and phones to watch everybody <laughs> so twitter notifications are on and i'm just soaking it all in um uh, i'm just so happy for everybody it's uh yeah that's that's what brings me the most joy right now if you were around the clock say five six seven years ago and been able to have that conversation with yourself could you have ever imagined being in the spot that you're in now i, I would have to say you know i like to think I'm a hardworking individual. So I, I'd like, I'd like to say that I'd be somewhere um, hopefully somewhere successful um, just because, you know, I like to think I hold myself to a high standard. I know everybody has their set standards for, um, you know, what they want from somebody. Uh, I, my job for myself is hopefully to be above that. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, from five, six years ago, I would hope I'm in a similar somewhat successful situation obviously i thought i was gonna be playing baseball for Mm -hmm. a very long time so obviously that switched gears um but that just goes to show you that you never really know where you're going to end up but uh, as long as you keep putting in the work um you know you're going to get somewhere over the course of this journey has anything taken you by surprise especially with the, the quick ascent that you've been able to to achieve um it's definitely everything's moving very quickly <laughs> it's been a very it's been a very hectic i mean month to say the least but uh the past two years you know i started a business i worked with the dogs i worked with phenomenal athletes i had emails and messages coming in left right and center um and everything moves you know super super quickly which i'm very thankful for i really mm-hmm. am um did i think i was going to be you know, going to Chicago Cubs at 22 years old, though? No, I did not. <laughs> but it goes to show you that if you send enough uh, enough emails and enough, put yourself out there, 
um, you know, good things are going to happen. I promise you. Um, someone's always watching. That's what we were taught. As soon as we got to the dogs, you don't know who's in the stands. Someone's always watching, you know, hold yourself to a high standard because um, they're going to see that. Mm-hmm. You segued really well into one of my final questions here, and that is uh, obviously there's those 13, 14, 15-year-old kids back home who might be just starting their journeys and, and figuring out what they want to do with their, their baseball careers. You've lived that. You've seen all kinds of different journeys throughout the course of your young career here. If you were to go back and talk to those 13-year-old kids who say, I want to do baseball, what kinds of advice would you offer them? I would have to say, you know, continue to create good habits. Um, I think uh, that's the biggest thing. Um, create a good, good routine for yourself. Everybody's going to have a different routine. But, you know, if your end goal is to play professional baseball or get to the college level, you have to keep that in mind. You know, there's going to be sacrifices you have to make. Um, and to go out and do that on a daily basis, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, it really is. You got multiple factors weighing in on you. I mean, just the mental side of the game is, is crazy. Um, along with school and your social life, um, there's definitely sacrifices that, uh, have to be made, uh, but balancing everything out, creating good situations, putting in the work, um, practicing your art. Um, I promise you, you know, good things are going to come. Um, uh, I was never the best player on the field. I can promise you that I just <laughs> dove for baseball, stuck my face in front and hope to God, somebody, uh, saw the work ethic. Um, and I'm thankful that the dogs saw it. I'm thankful the Cubs saw it. Um, and that's what I want to preach to, uh, the 13, 14, 15 year olds continue to put in the work. Good things are going to happen. I promise you. That is fantastic. Well, the final question for you here, Brett, uh, is when we ask everybody, what does the game of baseball mean to you? Uh, everything. Um, you know, baseball gave me an opportunity when I was 15, 16 years old, um, to go play the game I love for the, as long as I possibly could. Um, obviously I wish it was longer, but without that opportunity, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I like to think I attempt to give back to the athletes, you know, that I get, that I get to work with. Um, and just let just make sure that they understand that, that this game can be taken away from you at any point. I promise you, it will humble you quickly. Um, so don't take it for granted. Again, continue to put in the work and enjoy the moment, really enjoy the moment. Um, that's something I wish I did more of. Um, so that's, uh, that goes to show you that uh, hard work um, is really going to pay off for you. Well, it's a, a crazy story, a crazy journey. And to think that it's only just beginning, at least in, the, in this uh, certain circumstance, Brett, uh, really appreciate the time. Congratulations on all the success you've had to this point already in this journey. Uh, continued success going forward and, and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Brett Platts for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your app of choice. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, Amazon, and Good Pods. Before we go, we'd like to once again thank our Platinum supporters. The Okotoks Dogs are getting themselves ready for another run at a WCBL championship. Their season begins at home against Brooks May 27th. Head to dogsbaseball.ca for all the details. And AHP Academy goes by the slogan, Devoted to Driven Athletes. Taylor Burns and his team aim to make individualized plans to make each athlete better. For all you need to know about them, head to ahpbaseball.com. Until next time, thank you for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.